You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We've been in our series on joy. We started with joy in salvation, and there's joy in uh, serving God. There's joy in sowing uh, seeds of the gospel and There's joy, we said, in sorrow. We took a couple weeks to talk about the fact that uh, even though we go through sorrow and though we go through hard times, there's still joy. And I'm thankful my joy is not dependent upon what everybody else is doing. My joy is dependent upon Jesus Christ, and He will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I'm glad that my joy is not based upon what... Uh, CNN or Fox News or ABC News has to say, I'm glad my joy is based upon the Bible. Uh, My joy is not based on what's going on in congressional hearings. My joy is based upon the fact that God's on the throne and everything's okay and he's got it all under control. And I want to remind you this morning that you can have joy and I can have joy. It's not not a, a, a magical, mysterious thing. Joy comes... When we do what God has told us to do. And I want to show you this morning, Brother Dan read it for us, but Proverbs 5, it says in verse number 18, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. I'd like to preach this morning on how you can have joy with your spouse. Uh, Men, how you can have joy with your wife. Ladies, how you can have joy with your husband. Now, I understand this morning, there are some in this room that are not married yet. And I understand that. And uh, my girls are not in the service. They're in the junior church. But they won't need this for a long time because they're not allowed to get married until they're about 40. I think think that's the age Brother Dan had said was kind of the standard. So just so Alexis and Haley uh, are reminded of that. But there are some in this room even that you're not married yet. I understand that. There are some of you in this room who have never been married. And uh, if you have never been married, you say, well, I'm a failure. No, you're not a failure. Uh, The greatest missionary that ever lived, the Apostle Paul, was never married. But he gave his life to serving God and what a difference he made. I think in most cases, many cases, I think it's probably God's plan for you to get married. But not in every case. Some of you in this room, you have been married, but your spouse has passed away. And I understand that. As I preach this message, my, my aim is not to bring back uh, memories that cause sorrow, but I hope to bring back memories that are good. And I also hope to encourage you in the fact that although your spouse has passed away, you're still in church. And I commend you for that. You've, you're faithful to God and you're staying true to God. Some of you in this room, you have been married, but your spouse left. And again, I say my intent of this message is not to hurt you. It's not to bring back painful memories. But my challenge is to those who are not married, to those who will be married, to those who are married, and to those who your spouse has left you. I say to you the same. I say you're to be commended that you're still in church. You've been through sorrow and you've been through heartache, but you've stayed true to God and I encourage you to continue. My goal today is to help our young people. My goal today is to help our marriages and to help our homes to get the joy of the Lord and to keep the joy of the Lord that is possible 
and that God has planned for marriage. Our homes and our marriages are under attack. And that is an understatement. In our society, marriage is, marriage is pushed aside and marriage is, uh, is given very little importance. But on the flip side, immorality is glorified. Uh, it's glorified and it's promoted that you uh, have a good time and just live life and just do whatever you want and just do what feels good because you only live once, you know, YOLO. Can I tell you, that's not God's philosophy. God's philosophy and God's plan is that you have joy. I'm not talking about pleasure that you have for a day or a week or a weekend. I'm talking about joy that you can have for your entire life and for your marriage. Satan knows if he can destroy the marriage, he can begin to destroy the husband and the wife. He can work on them individually much better than he can when they're unified. Satan also knows that if he can attack the marriage, he knows that he will have a better time, a, a potentially more successful attack against the children if he can attack the marriage. Marriage was created by God. Genesis, the Bible tells us that God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. I want to remind you of that verse because some of you think, man, God, God made my life miserable when I got married. Here, I thought it was going to be good. And I'm telling you, this husband of mine or this wife of mine, God was not up in heaven looking down on Adam and thinking, hmm, how can I make his life hard? Oh, I know. I'll give him a wife. And don't say amen on that one, fellas. Please don't. Now, the reverse might be true. Some of you ladies might be thinking, yeah, but uh, Eve's life got miserable with that. No, that's not God's intention. God's plan was that he made a helpmeet for Adam to complete him, to make his life better, to give him joy, and to give him companionship. It says in this passage, rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Number one, I'd like for you to see in Proverbs chapter 5, in order to rejoice with the wife of thy youth, you've got to find the right one. And for those of you in this room, you say, I'm already married. Guess what? You found the right one. You say, but I don't know. I, I recently reconnected with my high school sweetheart and I just think I met. No, no, no. You're married to the right person. The person you're married to today, you're married to the right one. If you're here today and you're not married, I'll tell you this. You better think long and hard. You better pray. You better seek the Lord and you better make sure you marry the right person. Because when it comes to marriage, it's not like you, you pick a car. Well, I'll try this one out for a while, and if this doesn't work, no, no, no. Marriage is a lifelong commitment. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord, Proverbs 18 tells us. Marriage was instituted by God himself, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. God didn't create marriage for you to be miserable. Reminds me of the story, there was a, uh, a Little League baseball game going on. And maybe you've heard the story. There's a Little League baseball game going on and there was a mother, there was a woman in the stands. Normally it's men, but in this case it was a woman. And she was yelling at the umpire. Now I know none of you would ever do that, but she was yelling at the umpire, come on ump, are you blind? What? I mean, she was just giving him all kinds of grief. Finally, she had had enough of the umpire and she said, hey ump, if I were your wife, I'd poison you. 
The umpire had had enough. He turned around and looked at that lady and said, Ma'am, if I was married to you, I'd gladly take it. <laughs> Can I tell you, that's not the way marriage is supposed to be. God did not create marriage for you to be frustrated. God created marriage for you to be fulfilled, for you to be satisfied, for you to be complete. You picked your spouse. Whoso findeth a wife. I'm glad we live in a country where you get to pick the person you marry. I'm glad we don't live in a place where it's arranged or it's you know, picked by somebody else. You get to pick. If you're married today, you're married to the right one, stay married. If you're not married, make sure you find the right one and don't just settle for anybody. You say, well, what kind of person should I look for if I'm not married? Number one, find someone who is saved. And I, I think we understand if you are a man, you're looking for a woman. You're a woman, you're looking for a man. That just goes without saying. But find someone who's saved. You see, if you, if you find someone and you marry someone and you say, I know they're not saved, but after we get married, I know I'm going to change them. You got another thought coming. And there may be some situations in this room where you were, both were not saved and you got married and now you are. And I say, praise God. But that's not the way you want to, to, to do it ahead of time. That's not the way you want to plan it out. You want to make sure that the person you marry is saved. Find somebody who's spiritual. Find somebody who loves the Lord. Find someone whose life is already founded upon God and on his word, or that marriage will be on very shaky ground. If the foundation is not God and the foundation is not the Bible, if you're not both spiritual, you're going to have rough roads ahead. Number three, find someone who is selfless. You see, a selfless person is someone who's not only consumed with themselves, but they want what's best for you. And can I tell you, marriage does not work if you're selfish. Marriage does not work if it's all about what I want, and it's all about what I'm going to do, and it's all about my needs, and my wife exists just to make my life happy. You got it all wrong. As a marriage partner, your goal is not to meet your needs. Your goal is to meet the needs of your spouse. Look for someone who is selfless. And then four, find someone who is serious about marriage. Don't marry someone who's uh, just trying it out or just, well, let's see if it works. Find somebody who's serious about it. What destroys marriages if, as you're looking for the right person? I'll tell you what will destroy a marriage quicker than anything. It's sin. Sin destroys marriages. I think the obvious, and we'll look at this in this passage, but adultery destroys marriages. Now, I've seen marriages that survive, and I've seen marriages that have been put back together, but I will tell you this. If you want to destroy your home and destroy your marriage, you go ahead, you commit adultery, and you will find out that God knew it best when he said, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's not the way you want to go. Sin destroys marriages. Pornography destroys marriages. And that's sin, by the way. Alcohol destroys marriages. Lying destroys marriages. You say, well, it's not a big deal. It's just a little white lie. Friend, if your husband or your wife cannot trust you, you are setting yourself up for a destructive marriage and a rough and a destructive road. Sin destroys marriages. Selfishness, we've already talked about selflessness, but selfishness destroys marriages. You see, in your marriage, it's not about just your hobby. It's not just about your plans. 
Well, I've got to make this money. I've got to do this thing. I'm going to this place. And it, no, 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 friend. When you got married, you gave up your plans and you gave up your ideas and you said, I'm going to put your needs first because a marriage cannot exist and it cannot be successful, I should say, with selfishness. And then another thing that destroys marriages, and, and hear me out on this, silliness. It's amazing to me how foolish things can destroy marriages. It's amazing how the little things can destroy a marriage. It's amazing how grudges can destroy a marriage. It's amazing how bitterness can destroy a marriage. It's amazing how criticism can destroy a marriage. And by the way, those things are still sin. Bitterness is a sin. A grudge is a sin. Criticism is a sin. Not forgiving. Those are all sins. But they start out so subtle that they seem like it's not a big deal. But those things have a tendency to grow. And they build. And the next thing you know, you've got something in your marriage that happened 10 years ago, but you've never gotten the victory over it, and it's never been dealt with. And the next thing you know, what started as something foolish and silly is now destroying the marriage that you're in. May God help us, number one, find the right one. Number two, it's found in chapter five also, stay faithful to her. Stay faithful to him. Be faithful in your marriage. You made a commitment. You said, till death do us part. It says in Proverbs 5, 18, uh, rejoice with the wife of thy youth. That means even when you're not young anymore, there still ought to be joy in marriage. Even when you're not young, there should still be joy in your marriage. Marriage is a lifelong commitment between you and your spouse and the Lord. Marriage, we must be faithful. When you're faithful to your spouse, notice verse 16 and 17. Not only are you blessed, not only is your spouse blessed, but your children. It says in verse number 16, let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. It's talking about your children. It's talking about the people that you influence and it's talking about the people that are around you. When your marriage is joyful, guess what? It's contagious. It spreads and other people experience blessing and other people experience joy when you are faithful. The Bible says in Exodus 20, thou shalt not commit adultery. We know that. But notice Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 22. When you're not faithful, Proverbs 6, verse 32, excuse me, says, but whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his spouse, is that what it says? No, although that may happen. But it says, he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Verse 33, a wound and dishonor shall he get and his reproach shall not be wiped away. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, thou shalt not commit adultery. In the New Testament, the Bible says, whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. But can I tell you, that didn't just originate in the New Testament. The Ten Commandments, God went a step further. He said, not only thou shalt not commit adultery, he said, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thy neighbor's wife, 
and he goes on with a list, his servants, his animals, and he said, or anything that is thy neighbor's. God said, you can't be coveting those things that are not yours, especially when it comes to marriage, because it's going to destroy you. You see, when you're not happy in the marriage, or maybe you think things are fine, but you think, I wonder, I wonder what it'd be like, you know, being married to so-and-so. She just always seems so nice, or he always seems so polite. Can I tell you the grass is not always greener on the other side? You see the very best at church, and you come to church, and you know how it goes at church. Everybody's nice. Even your spouse is nice to you at church until you get in the car on the ride home, and wow, it's different now. But can I tell you, covetousness will destroy a marriage. Comparison is the enemy of contentment. You say, but so-and-so at work, she is always so polite. So-and-so at work, he is always so kind. You better watch out because if you're not content with the husband or the wife that God has given you, you will break those marriage commitments and you will be unfaithful and you will find yourself in a, self in a heap of trouble. I'm talking about being faithful to your spouse. You say, well, pastor, I've got that covered. I have not committed adultery. Good, I'm glad. But did you know faithfulness is more than just not committing adultery? Did you know faithfulness is being committed to your spouse every single day? Being engaged? Uh, let me give you some for instances of being faithful. I think husbands and wives ought to be faithful. That means they're, they're, they're committed, you can count on it, every day to be kind to one another. Now, that's not always easy because as a husband or wife, you know how to push each other's buttons. But be kind. You want to be faithful to your spouse? Be kind. If you want to be faithful to your spouse, be forgiving. Did you know if you want to be faithful to your spouse, you must be an encouragement? Your, your, your spouse, their greatest and, and best cheerleader ought to be you. You see, wives encouraging the husbands, husbands encouraging the wives. And, and if all they get at home is criticism, I want to tell you, that's not faithful. That's not being committed. That's being a weight. That's being a drag. Be faithful to be patient. Be faithful to respect. Be faithful to listen. Be faithful to communicate. Be faithful to pray together and, and serve God together and be in church together and spend time together. And men, brace yourselves for this one. Be faithful and be committed to understanding your spouse. Easier said than done. 1 Peter 3, the Bible says that as husbands, we are to dwell with our wives according to knowledge. Did you know that means you're supposed to study and understand your spouse, your wife? Now, isn't it amazing that we have sent men to the moon? We, we, have, we have invented cell phones and computers and high-speed internet and satellites and we have done all of that but it is still and men don't say amen i don't want to get you in trouble i'll take the blame for this one okay we still have a hard time figuring out women we do okay well i guess i'm not in this alone but you'd think we would figure it out right right men this would be a good place to say amen you'd think we'd figure it out you say, Pastor, I've been married to, to my wife for 40 years and I just don't understand because she will tell me I will be ready to go. 
I'll be ready to walk out that door in five minutes. And she's never ready in five minutes. Well, haven't you figured that out by now? You've got to interpret, you've got to translate, right? It's a different language. What does five minutes mean? About 30. But we ought to have that figured out. Okay, you say, but pastor, my wife told me, I said I was going on a hunting trip. And if you're going on a hunting trip, I'm not thinking of you, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm going on a hunting trip for a week with my buddies and my wife said, sure, it's fine. That's not fine. Don't go on that hunting trip. Cancel the trip. Don't even think about going. She, but she said it was fine. That's not what she means. What about this? What about your wife says, there is nothing bothering me. There is nothing the matter. What's wrong? Nothing. Can I tell you, nothing does not mean nothing. That's not what it means. It means there's a lot of things and there's something real big and you're an idiot because you haven't figured it out because you've got to ask what's wrong. Fine, if you're that much of an ignoramus, there's nothing wrong, but there's something wrong. How about this? It doesn't matter anyway. It does matter. It matters big time. Or how about this? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it means, I don't want to talk about it right this second, but we're going to have a talk about it. Now, for those of you that aren't married, you're saying, Pastor, why are you introducing us to a strange foreign language? Because you're going to need to learn that language. But can I tell you, if you're going to be faithful... If you're going to be committed to that spouse, you're going to have to understand her. And by the way, it goes both ways. Amen, fellas. Right? It goes both ways. Uh, ladies, you're going to have to be patient with us. You're going to have to be very patient with some of us because it takes us a while to get it. But we must be faithful to one another. We must be faithful and committed to stick through the hard times and to stick through uh, the, 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 the struggles and to stick through the difficulties. And there will be difficulties in marriage. Remember, my wife and I got married in uh, March, and that, it was that May when her dad was diagnosed with cancer. Now, I understand a lot of people have been diagnosed with cancer. I understand all that, but for us, we had just gotten married, and all of a sudden, it's like, that hit us like a ton of bricks. Uh, I remember for my wife and I, just the, the struggles, and, and of course, you know, she was the one who experienced much more, but with miscarriages and, and, and the disappointment and, and the struggle, you've got to be faithful through the hard times. I remember when her mother was diagnosed with cancer. Of course, her father, he uh, uh, was fine and he's still living today. But when her mother was diagnosed with cancer, her mother passed away. But I tell you, marriage is not just on the mountaintops. Marriage is in the valleys and being committed and staying together and having joy with your spouse because you stick it out through her mother's passing, my dad uh, passing away, uh, uh, moving across country, all those things. You've got to be committed in the good times and in the bad. Number one, find the right one. Number two, be faithful. Number three, and I think this isn't obvious, but I've got to show you this. Number three, if you're going to be committed to your spouse, you must forsake all others. 
That's usually found in the marriage vows and forsaking all others cleave only unto thee. But you must forsake all others. Notice chapter 5 and verse number 3. The book of Proverbs calls this woman a strange woman. Uh, she's referred to as a foolish woman. Um, in Proverbs 7 and Proverbs 9, she's referred to as a harlot. It's not always a harlot. It's basically a strange woman is this. A strange woman, fellas, is anybody you're married and anybody who is not your wife, that, that woman could fall into this category. She's not yours. Forsake all others. Notice chapter 5, verse number 3. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But verse 4 says, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. You say, now, pastor, are you saying that if I follow the path of a strange woman, if I get involved and if I commit adultery or if I'm unfaithful to my wife, are you telling me that I will go to hell? I'm not telling you that. If you're saved, you'll go to heaven. But I'm telling you this. If you go down the path of the strange woman, your life is going to be like hell on earth. It is going to be miserable. And that's not my prediction. That's what the Bible says. God's word warns to forsake the strange woman, forsake all others. Notice what it says in verse 3. Her lips, her words are smooth. And by the way, that's where it usually starts. It starts at work with a, just a very innocent conversation. Or maybe it starts with a text message. Or maybe it starts with a Facebook message. Or maybe it starts uh, uh, with a, uh, a chat uh, out the park or wherever. It starts and it seems so subtle. But friend, that's not where it stops. And a strange woman will destroy you and destroy your marriage and destroy your home. That's why you stay away. You watch out. Notice verse 8. It says, remove thy way far from her and come not nigh. Don't even get close to the door of her house. You better watch out. You say, Pastor, it'll never happen to me. I'm glad you brought that up. Would you notice Proverbs chapter 7, in verse number 26, the Bible says, For she, that's the strange woman, hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. You think you're better? You think you're stronger than Samson? Samson found out that the strange woman would destroy him. You think you're stronger than David, King David, who, by the way, Bathsheba wasn't a harlot, but she was a strange woman because she was not David's wife. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, guess what was his downfall? The Bible says many strange women had multiple wives and those wives turned his heart away from God. Friend, we must forsake all others. You're not above it. I'm not above it. It's happened to better people than we'll ever be. That's why we obey the word of God and we stay faithful to our spouse and we forsake all others. Notice Proverbs 9, verse number 17. It says, stolen waters are sweet. It's interesting, Proverbs 5, it says, drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. The uh, uh, illustration there is given of, of a well of water, a supply of water. Verse 17 of Proverbs 9, stolen waters 
that which doesn't belong to you, that which is not yours, that, that from a strange woman, the stolen waters, you know what they are? They're sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Oh, yeah. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But notice verse number 18. But what you don't know is that he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. Many strong men have been cast down. Many uh, great men, many good Christians have been cast down because they did not heed the advice of the word of God. Forsake all others, the Bible tells us. Hebrews 13, verse 4, the Bible tells us that marriage is honorable in all. Marriage is a good thing. And the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. God makes it very clear what he thinks about marriage. Marriage is between one man and one woman and to find the right one and to be faithful to her and forsake all others. And then lastly, number four, go back with me to Proverbs 5 if you would please. Proverbs 5, it says in verse number 19, it says, And be thou ravished always with her love. I want you to see two words there in that phrase, ravished. That word ravished, it means to be enraptured. It literally means to be intoxicated. I'm not talking about with alcohol. But you ought to be so much in love with your spouse that you're not looking elsewhere for love and you're not looking elsewhere for the pleasure and you're not looking elsewhere for those needs to be met. But it says, be thou ravished. And the next word says, always. You see, Brother uh, Dan mentioned it at Sunday school and he's mentioned it before and, and we laugh about it. But marriage is not, you get married and you're in love and then you tell your spouse, say, I love you. We're getting married today. I love you. And if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. But until then, we're good. That's not marriage. Marriage is something that every day you've got to fall in love. And I don't mean, when I say fall, that sounds like it's an accident, but it's a decision. Hebrews, uh, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5, the command is given, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It's a, it's a command. It's a decision that you make every day to fall in love. Verse number 20, the question is asked, and why wilt thou, my son? Why? Why would you? Why would you want to do that? Why would you be ravished with a strange woman? Why would you embrace the bosom of a stranger? Why would you be embracing a strange woman when you have your wife that you can rejoice with and you should rejoice with for the rest of your life? If you love the Lord, if I love the Lord, we will do what he commands, right? If you love your spouse, and if I love my spouse, we will do for them what God wants us to do. We will be for them what God wants us to be. But you must fall in love every day. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.